Oscar Poker. Don't feel the same Last year flew by Goodbye to the good vibes What we thought were the best times Nights out with the people I love Now I'm lost in the neighborhood They raised me, praised me Made me who I am My father was twice the man And now that pain's resurfacing Brooklyn don't feel the same Maybe I'm the one who changed Or the one to blame Another dream down the drain And ten more before I get on that plane I swear I knew just what to say The salt when it seems like they've abandoned their um, their need to do uh, a miniseries and, and because Cable has sort of taken over. And um, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is about Cable is that I, I, I think that the, you know, audiences are diverging. Like the, you know, half of the audience is sort of going for reality television, which has taken over networks. And they can't seem to bring back the HBO watchers. And the HBO watchers and the Netflix and the Amazon, those guys are all... Um, pain. Because they're a more sophisticated audience. You guys are terrified of just saying plain facts, which is that there is such a thing as, as cultural delineation, social... There are different classes of people. There are people that read, that people have some education, that people have less education. Let's be honest about it. Every time I say this, you... But, you know, but you're, you're the you're, conversation you're, away from you're reducing the reason to us to a single thing, and it's not a single thing. There's half a dozen reasons why this has happened. There's Eric, is there a, are there a half a dozen reasons why the people who buy tabloids at the supermarkets literally buy them and take them home and read them? Is there a reason for that? Or you got? I mean, isn't that a fairly simple explanation? It's, it's one thing, but you're you're saying that it's that it's the explanation, and 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 it's not. There's. Basically, like I said, there's half a dozen things. It's a classy way of delivering uh, entertainment, and it's now the Greyhound bus lines of delivering entertainment. It's very big, and the the revenues are. But it, but culturally, it's it's completely collapsed as a as a as a medium of, of some importance in terms of drama and something to really think about and contemplate. That's that, those days are pretty much over. Well, I think I think also too, if if the networks loosened up their guidelines. Uh, about, you know, language and things like that, they might be able to allure the HBO crowd. Right. Because you're going to have, you know, this HBO Bernie Madoff miniseries and you're going to have the network one and you're not going to hear shits and fucks and right. anything like that. Right. And it's going to it's gonna reduce your your audience. Right. And, so. and we should also mention that um, Fargo is doing really well on it's on cable it's not on the major networks i know and i don't know if you, you're counting cable with paid for tv but cable is doing no you know, there's that's two different 
you know, sections of cable. Yeah. Tip, um, we were also saying how those kind of on demand, like Amazon and Netflix, they have a little more freedom because people are paying for that kind of, they're, they're telling the companies, this is what we want. We're paying for you. And so you can keep giving us this and we'll keep watching it. It's an agreement. The networks only go on ratings and they get high ratings for the Super Bowl. They get high ratings for the Oscars. They get really high ratings for like America's Got Talent and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And that, you know, we, those people that watch those shows, generally speaking, don't feel the need to pay for Amazon and Netflix and HBO to get those extra things that they want. They're happy with what they're getting. I'll try again. Listen, have you guys ever <laughs> sat down and watched network tele only network television for a couple of hours straight, just flipping around, watching a little piece of this and that? Have you done that? I don't watch that much network television. I don't nor, nor do I. I mean, no. but I happen to... You know how some of us will have white noise on the, on television while we're writing? It just kind of gets the, the, the wheels going. Honestly. I, I hate that. I have to have silence. If you're on the, uh, <laughs> on the, in the network world and just flipping around channels, it is devastating what it does to your, the way you feel about yourself, about the, your personality, about the way it affects your mood. It's a really rancid uh, uh, culture on, on network television these days. The, the only thing that is worth... Watching is, you know, basic cable and, 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 and pay and, 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 of course, streaming. And, you know, nobody really have any distinction or any kind of, uh, I don't mean distinction, but, you know, kind of class, any kind of refinement. They just don't watch network television. Well, it's interesting because we were, you know, the, the fact that Netflix made such a, a, a big kind of prominent mark on the SAG Awards this year indicates to, to me and to you guys that probably the SAG voters were, you know, some of them not avail, not in cities where they could watch the movies that everybody's talking about and or just didn't care to go out and watch them or they didn't get the screeners. But what they had was Netflix and Netflix is a great way to roll out a feature film as it just did with Beasts of No Nation, which got a SAG ensemble and might get a Best Picture nomination because of all the advocacy it might. Mm -hmm. So if it does, that makes a big, big difference for Netflix because it's the first time you've had, the very first time you've had a movie picked up by a television platform like Netflix and it's run for the, in the theaters for like one week. It made no money, but they just did it because they had to, to follow the rules in order to get it in for awards consideration. Mm -hmm. And then it played on Netflix and everybody could watch it. Everybody. So somewhere in there, that's to me, that's where the industry is evolving. That's where feature film and experimentation and the audience that wants to see all that because people all over the country and world who read my site and our sites can't watch the movies we're talking about because they never get there. You know, they they have to be like rolled out. Like, look at poor Steve Jobs. It's made seventeen million. It's in these tiny little theaters. People can't even go watch it that are interested in seeing it. They can't get to it because the way the rules are about um, big theaters and how much money you need to make. And um, so, but Netflix offers a bridge for them and a future. But I don't know if they're going to take it. I have a suspect that they're going to reject it. I don't know, because the, the Netflix thing and for Beasts was really fascinating because it was sort of, it's the it's the future of the screener. Um, because we, we all know and we all talk about every year, especially with, you know, Screen Actors Guild and that, you know, it comes out in the beginning of December and there's still always a handful of movies that haven't even come out yet and don't get screeners out that that fail. And if you have a screener in hand or if you have something you can watch on your television, immediately 
that's what you're going to watch. Absolutely. Like Woman in Gold. I mean, Woman exactly. in Gold was a movie that nobody, it had terrible reviews and it was on Netflix just forever. There it was, Woman in Gold. So you know that yeah, the But that screener are... went out too. So there was just every possible option to watch it. Right. But, you know, as a sidebar, Helen Mirren is a SAG queen. She has 10 nominations. Yeah. She, or she still... Now she has 12. She could have gotten a supporting. It's still odd that she got a lead for that. It's it's odd. You have it was, to. It was very odd. There were there were all, you know, clearly there were two very strange nominations in that category, but yeah. <laughs> it's just weird how the SAG nominating committee was so sort of out of the and you know people who hate Oscar bloggers would say oh the stupid Oscar bloggers they thought they knew everything where the race was headed and these people stepped out of their little bubble and so now they're all upset. That's exactly how like a commenter on Jeff's site would would say yeah but look at look at how the the, the cast uh shook out we have one populist film with straight out of compton which was a big hit but where's the martian that's been out since october it was snubbed entirely completely how did that happen I mean, um i think i offer up two film, theories that's what i would have thought would have made it possibly a lot of people looked at it as I did, and said, this is first-rate entertainment. This you, is can't, you can't have it both ways, though, Jeff. It's not an awards film. Yeah, but you can't insult the SAG committee at one hand and then praise them on the other for being intellectual giants. It, it, it can because be a it isn't true. here and there. They can be intriguing. They can make interesting calls, and they can make banal calls. Why can't they? Well, I no, know I'm, why I'm, they I'm would with pick. You on that. I'm with you on that, that there isn't, like, some, you know, strict guideline of, of you know, types of films that they are going to follow. Right, I know, but I don't think that's why they didn't pick The Martian. I think it's for two reasons. One, they don't think it's prestigious, quote-unquote, enough. Which is a way of saying it's not awards material, that's all. Just a very good film that's very satisfying. I wait, just wait, 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 wait. I, now, I'm not going to have this argument with you, but I am going to say that there's another reason why maybe it didn't get in, and that's because of Matt Damon's recent comments um, that he got in trouble for two different things, and it might be that they just you know, didn't want to award Matt Damon and they were, they were angry. And I can totally see that as a possibility too, for why he got, cause you could say they snubbed the Martian, but to have snubbed Matt Damon is unusual given his position in the industry, his performance and his likability overall. And he probably, you know, he's going to be in contention for best actor. He might get a nomination. He might not, but, um, I'm less inclined to think that it was Matt Damon's comments that, that didn't get him in here because you guys are not explaining what the comments were. Why don't you do that? Be a little fair to people listening who don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, one was about That's funny for me. to. Well, say. there was two, there was two, there was the, there was the, the fallout from, uh, his project green light show Which... with Effie Brown about how, how you cast a movie and how whitewashed, uh, his movie was going to be and how much Effie Brown was like, you know, you need people of color in front of the camera and behind the camera. And so they had a real, you know, public tussle about that. And then he had the gay comments about staying in the closet. And right. I, But I don't, I don't honestly think that that had really that much of an impact because when you look at the five men who made it in, four of them were one for were ones that everybody was basically predicting anyway, and then Brian Cranston, right. and because we can see that Trumbo had a huge success with SAG, is a pretty fair and obvious reason why Damon didn't make it in. Bleecker Street for the just fact did a better job. 
Well, it's partly that. Yes, I agree. But it's also his popularity, Brian Cranston. It's probably, there were probably a lot of parties that, you know, people didn't know about and how charming he is. Everybody loves him. And he's really well connected in the industry. However, the critics gave that movie, Manola Dargis of the New York Times panned it. Like, it just oh, it's got, got terrible. some ugly reviews. So I wouldn't, I mean, I'm predicting it and him probably. I am. But I also think that there's a good chance that it can Hitchcock its way out of contention even still you know i so. think i think mirin is making it in and that's it yes historically <laughs> historically and statistically it would be a total anomaly for her to not make it in for one of her nominations because yeah. it's never happened before right and you know a lot of movies didn't get sag nominations that people can thought I, not can just I something here can i can i withdraw from this conversation no, no, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. I'll go. tell you what's going on. The two of you are having a conversation with each other. You more or less say the same things. You're more or less, you know, kind of, well, on the other hand, you're always saying on the other hand, but on the other hand, but on the other hand. I'm the only one that says definitively this is what's happening, and you kind of like, okay, that's interesting. Okay, is Jeff finished speaking? Okay, now let's really have the discussion between the adults. You're treating me like someone who's intemperate. All right. Okay. Well, two two things I'm about that. One, you, this conversation. If you're going to do this, all right, we won't do it anymore. We won't do it anymore. Listen to the child who yammers on. Then as soon as the child quits, you go back and talking. No, but I I, like I I will talk to you. But I'm you're sitting here saying that that the reason the Martian didn't get into SAG, you know, and I can sit here and say, well, you you want to talk about why the you know other movies didn't get in that that you really like? I'm not going to do that. I mean, you could talk about it as that, but that. Quality doesn't have, have anything a to game going. That's all I'm saying. Okay, That's but quality doesn't have anything to do with it, or Trumbo wouldn't have gotten in. Okay. Yeah, but 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 I mean, let's Jeff. You asked us to to detail the reasons and what Matt uh, Matt Damon's comments were and that's what that's, that's what happened. I, did. I just said why don't you explain them and then then you said well yeah but it doesn't really matter but and then uh, Sasha said I, but it I gave my reasons for it sure yeah, and you have your reasons for it but why are your reasons definitive and and mine or Sasha's not you guys are always, because you guys are, the, are saying the same thing all the time on the other hand on the other hand on the other hand nobody has any opinions here except me well what do we don't have an opinion about <laughs> I don't understand yeah, I, I don't, I don't dis, I don't agree with that. You kind of smooth it over. You put peanut butter over everything. You just, you know, you're not. Well, what you know, are we putting no, peanut butter over? I don't understand. What, what is it that we're not attacking properly? Yeah, I actually, I was pretty definitive. I said the reason that Matt Damon did not get in is because Trumbo was a stronger contender with the committee. When we were discussing culture. And, and how uh, network television is, is, is clearly the bottom rung of culture. It represents the, and attracts the bottom rung of culture. Religious people, people that are, have short attention spans, that like to watch the Kardashians, that like, you know, inane entertainment. And, and you, you guys immediately go, yeah, but on the other hand, it's not exactly that. You know, and it becomes boring. It becomes a real bland conversation that doesn't seem to go anywhere. And it just kind of, you know, it puts me to sleep. All right, well, I'll answer you then. I think it's snobby and condescending of you to say it's that it's, not snobby. it's, it's uneducated real, people. No, I, I, we're talking about hardworking people out there who need a break, A. And B, you know why they read tabloids? You know why they read those fucking tabloids? Sadly, because it's all my people, women, who read them. Because their lives are horrible. And they want to read about someone else's life being worse than theirs. And they get off on it, you know? Do I think that's cool? No. Do I think they should be reading about climate change? Yes. Do I think that they should be finding out that we're going to be extinct in a thousand years? Absolutely. But they're not. 
right? So but these these are these are hugely broad generalizations, and I'm trying not to make a broad generalization. I'm trying to create and and talk about reasons for things that are happening, not that just. just made sense to me what you said about about people who watch television. I think that's a that's actually a pretty honest assessment. Yeah. You, you, so you think that every single person that watches network television are religious zealots that read uh, National Enquirer? That's your opinion. And own guns. And uh, <laughs> that's that's fucking insane. Well, for that's one thing, it's crazy. all the young kids, teenagers well, that's like opinion. My... Thank, thank you, Eric. You've actually delivered. Me... <laughs> I'm. In, I said something insane. At least, at least that's got some hair on it. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Eric could. He's a. He's a. He could. He could take. I'm. Oh, I, I. I'm a fighter. I'm just. I'm just trying to. Always he's trying be to be nice, nice and, and polite and, as am I to try to keep I'm it. Just going. saying, if you want to put people to sleep, say on the other hand. <laughs> If you want to like uh, put, this, uh, put this podcast to, to, to you know just give it a shot of Thorazine, say on the other hand, on the I other. Hand. I don't know about that. I, I I think what makes people want to listen to this is is hearing some some arguments and fights like this. So <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing. I don't think they do I, like to hear that. In fact, people complain to me all the time when they're fighting on podcasts. They don't like that. Really? Okay, well, my my people hand. love it. They do. All right. Yeah. Well, my people and are like, just but like. I don't want to fight. Oh. On the other hand. Let's, On the other hand. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Me and Eric are going to listen, and you talk, and we'll respond. No, I don't want to dominate. Please. I'm going to start. I'm going to start a new podcast called "And Name It On The Other Hand." <laughs> That's a genius title. The, the, the Diplomats Podcast. <laughs> but what were we even saying? I don't remember where we were. What were we talking well, about? Well, we, we were we were on the, uh, SAG, the Trumbo oh, okay. SAG Martian right. train. Yeah, I know, and I I'm just. I okay, so my awards hat person says, Yes, you're right. The Martian is too mass entertainment. They feel like it made a two hundred million, it doesn't have any gravitas, so it's out of the race. Fine. That's fine. Makes my year really boring because I love that movie. But I understand that, that other people don't agree with me. They need quotes around their word important important movie. So I get that, but um and I don't think you know and, and here comes Trumbo. I agree with you 100% that Trumbo has took the Martian slot and that Matt Damon was squeezed out because they liked that better. They just didn't think that Matt Damon, which is crazy to me because I think he, he's great in the Martian, honestly, I have to say. Well, and, and Cranston is a SAG darling, so that, that worked out well for and him. And as Anne was saying, it's all the TV people because and she t- said... And TV is, is, is a big part of that, sure. Yeah, so you um, might have gotten... I wonder, I wonder maybe if, if we should move focus though a little bit from Martian and Trumbo and look at Spotlight in this because of the five, Spotlight is the only film that has any type of best picture traction. Right. So does this nomination here absolutely just put it so far in front that that we're we're now in the the predictable uh, period of the race? I think that it's the stats wise, no other film can beat it unless it's some some movie from this is the only thing I would caution everybody out there in the awards community. Like I have Spotlight at number one. Jeff's always had Spotlight at number one. He never changed well, he had the Revenant for a while, right, Jeff? Before yeah, you saw it. Back right. and forth. And and now I have a Revenant as a strong second that's not gonna win, but I still am so impressed but, by it. I feel it deserves a second. And your your instincts are, are probably a little bit right on that because the thing about award season is that we forget that things can switch and have switched really dramatically at the producers guild nominations for almost, let's see, we had last year, we had Birdman, Jeff 
predicted it. Nobody else did. Um, the year before that, it was the tie between Gravity and 12 Years a Slave, right? That was the yeah. worst. That was a total <laughs> shocker. And nobody so still lame. knew what was going to win Best Picture. And it was a total toss up and people were divided 50 50 and then the year before that it was argo and by then i think people started to think that it was argo but i don't think people were entirely sure and and you can keep going back and it's a surprise every time so mm -hmm. i wouldn't be a hundred i mean it, it depends on how spotlight does in the next little while because if it keeps winning everything and awards voters watch it after hearing all that they're gonna go yeah that's a good movie but I don't know if that's best picture. You know what I mean? That's it's it's doing very well at the box office. It's at twenty million right now, and wow. we haven't even gotten to you know the the heavy hitter uh, industry yeah. award stuff yet. So it's it's doing really well. It's a solid. It's a very. I, I've seen it now five times. I've watched. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, I've watched it five times. You know just to kind of study it. I've seen Carol five times also, by the way. And um, I know I just got the screener for it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, Carol. And Mad Max I've seen five times. So I've seen all these yeah. movies um, many times and watched them, studied them. And um, and Spotlight, you know, it's it's really good. It, the only problem I'm having with it, and you guys can keep arguing with me, and I'll probably turn out to be wrong, and I'm probably not going to predict anything else. I can't think of anything else that could win, but I would keep my eye on the other four movies that are nominated for SAG Ensemble, I would just keep my eye on them and I would try to wonder if any of them, like The Big Short or Straight Outta Compton or any of these movies can can become the passion choice that beats Spotlight, the non-passion choice. Which you're, you're sidestepping it. You just finally said it, non-passion choice. And again, it's a matter of sensitivity. Either you feel the emotional current in spotlight which i do it's obvious but it's not it's not like rocky it's not like um braveheart it's not like the king's speech it's not you know it's not appealing to lowest common denominator and that's what an oscar I, I can't think of a single i tried to like rack my brain you have to go back to the 40s like mrs miniver to find movies that are like as sedate as spotlight winning best picture like in this day and age it just doesn't happen like there has to be that surge so yeah. I'm not saying it's not going to win. Obviously, it's got all the momentum it needs. People love it. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's that tiny chance that we will all be surprised when the PGA announces something else. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm not looking at any of SAG's top five other than Spotlight and The Big Short to make any type of, of impact. And The Big Short, uh, you should keep your eye on that one. I know. And I just, you know, I just watched and, and reviewed that last week. I, I really liked it. Um, it's has, there is an incredible amount of cynicism in it though, uh, that does not push it to the, like the levels of, like you said, Argo and King's speech and Rocky. Right. It's not that kind of movie. Right. I know. Yeah. I know. Cynicism. Again? But neither was Birdman though. You know, it's what Birdman had was people loved it passionately Yes. Um, cynicism. Oh, adults, you know, adults I, the 16-year-old just asked a question. I was answering you when you just interrupted me. I was saying, okay. he was talking about, he was saying how the big short is cynical against, it basically ends like we're fucked. We are a fucked culture. Whereas Spotlight ends on an up note. Spotlight's True. like, you know. It's, it's positive because they they get their guys, as, as it were. Have you noticed how the marketing uh, for at least one of the trailers that I have seen for the big short uh, 
sort of cast the four or five, uh, you know, financial manipulators in this film as kind of heroic guys going up against the system and yeah. Yeah. them, teaching them a lot. They all they did was make money for themselves. That's, right. <laughs> yeah. it, you That's know. exactly right. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. The Michael Lewis book is incredible, but um, the thing that. I think is funny about it is I think it's it's really complicated story, really hard to understand. And I think people watch it and they just think I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, Wall Street bad. And mm -hmm. so I like this movie. That's what they think. But that's not really what the movie's about. I mean, it's it's much deeper than that and much more an indictment of American culture. Jeff, it's exactly what you're talking about, really, the big short. It's all the stuff you're talking about with TV. Yeah. You know? It is. And to to use Jeff's phrase of of lowest common denominator just in order to explain the complex nature of everything that happened with the 2008 housing crisis, you know, they, they bring these cameos like Selena Gomez and Margot Robbie and oh, uh, right. Anthony Bourdain to do these like little haha jokey explanations of it. Mm. And it's funny and it's cool. I like it, but it's, it's makes it palatable for people that just don't know anything. I I love, by the way, this uh, following phrase from a sentence from Anthony Lane's review of The Big Short. <clears throat> Quote, if you happen to understand credit default swaps and collateral collateralized debt obligations or CDOs, you might well enjoy The Big Short. <laughs> if you don't understand them, however, you'll have a much better time. Oh, God. He did not write that. I love that because I, I, have, to, I have to think, yeah, if you know what all of this is, it means you're part of the problem, not the solution. <laughs> exactly. And or you're going to be much more depressed coming out of it. Like, I, again, I think that a lot of the reason it did well with actors, like the publicist wrote me the night before the SAG nominations, and she said, mm -hmm. why don't you have the big short on there? And I said, well, you know, because this is terrible to say, but it's true. Actors aren't the smartest group i mean they're not you know the directors and writers are tend to be a lot more smart a lot more cerebral than actors they're much more emotion driven yeah. and she said oh really i was feeling really good about it i thought that it would get a nomination i thought well don't listen to me i don't know what i'm talking about you know ask chris ask somebody else mm -hmm. ask ann and so um when they announced it i thought wow that's interesting but then i realized people don't need to understand the big short they can just watch it and they can just think wall street bad yep and they don't have to look at the details of just what went wrong and why it's much more an American problem than yeah. it is a Wall Street problem. Yeah, very much. So, so can I ask uh, how, uh, what screenings you guys are be, will be catching The Force Awakens this coming week? Well, we're not going to the premiere like someone I know. <laughs> not because I begged for it. And, you know, it's going to be quite the nightmare because it, uh, they're going to start allowing people in around 5 p.m. And we're not just talking about one theater, and that's always a kind of a bottleneck when, when that happens when you go to the Chinese, for instance. You have to go through a lot of uh, goons at the you know, post uh, wanting to know who you are and all that. How are you supposed to prove that, you know, who you are? You're speaking each other in your driver's license? How do they know who you are? So anyway, you get past all the goons, and then when you get to the Chinese, it's like finding the right person with the right box, and you finally get in. This is three theaters simultaneously being filled, oh. and they're not telling you They've strategically decided there's an advantage. There's something to be gained on their side by not telling people which of the three theaters, the Dolby, the Chinese, and the El Capitan, all on one block, so to speak, one street uh, between Highland and La Brea. So it's really going to be quite the clusterfuck. And, um, oh, boy. <laughs> well, I know I'm going to stay off of Twitter at about 10 o'clock, blackout, and then 
10 a.m. is when my screening is. They sent me a parking pass already, though. Like, this is where you're going to park. Park in this 10 a.m. for where on the lot or? Yeah, on the lot in the big theater at Disney. Okay. Yeah. Now, you're, you're going in the morning. I, I'm going to go see it a second time on Tuesday evening just to kind of, you know, confirm my initial feelings and see what I see how it plays a second time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't send me a parking pass. Why would they send a parking pass for simply going on the lot? I don't know. They'll probably send you one. You'll probably get one. They're probably just working through the order of the screenings. Like, who's who's first? I'm first. So I'm in that group that has to have the parking pass out, you know? And when and, are you going to see it, Eric? Oh, God. I don't know. Probably after Christmas. I don't care. <laughs> you really are, are you taking yourself out of it because you're an award site and therefore it is automatically dismissed as a... Even a tech category thing. No, no, no. I mean, I do want to see it, but uh, you know, I live way up in wine country. I'm not going to any premieres, so I'll I'll I'll, I'll see it when when I. The San Francisco screenings of this film before it opens. Um, I'm I'm sure there is, but I'm not in with Disney, so I don't. I would love I'm, to. I'm live still in very, very low on the totem pole, extremely low. So I don't, I don't have. But he's rising fast. He's access. Rising fast. Getting there. Getting there. Getting there. Um, I would like to live in wine country. I'd rather live in wine country than go to a Star Wars premiere. <laughs> how far up into wine country? How, how much of a drive is it to San Francisco? Hour and a half. Oh so wow! Are you by? Um, are you by? Uh, you know the birds up there. What? What that? Bodega Bay. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I mean, near, yeah. My brother just got married there this summer oh, <laughs> in that God, church. It's so beautiful up there. We just drove up to Oregon and then down that Oregon coast. Have either of you guys ever driven down the Oregon coast? It's so oh, beautiful. yeah. We oh. did a whole family uh, trip of that, and it was amazing. Oh, my God. Light- lighthouses, the whole thing. And, oh, it is. God, it's it's awesome. all windy and cold. And, just, and then you get down to California, and you start heading into the beautiful redwoods, and you go mm-hmm. through... All of yeah. much northern California, and, and then we've it's, got... To- it's nice. Are you near Guerneville, Eric? Uh, yeah, actually, very close. 20 minutes. I used to live in Guerneville, too, for a little while. Near Jenner? Uh, no, uh, more east, Healdsburg. Okay. All right, mm. so you're not... So I thought wine country is more like Calistoga, Sonoma. Isn't well, that- there's... Yeah, there's, it's Sonoma County. There's Napa County and Sonoma County, and I'm in Sonoma County. Sonoma's the one above San Francisco. Okay. Yes, above Marin County. Above, oh, so beautiful up there. Oh it is. God. It's nice. But you know, I, I mean, I used to live in. Uh, we used to live uh, in Berkeley. So jumping over, you know, on Bart to the city for uh, screenings and stuff was a lot easier. Right. It's so uh, it's 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 a little more difficult now. But at the same time, my my access, you know, with studios is a little bit better. So I I, I get screeners a little quicker. You're getting the screeners, and you know, George Lucas and all of them live up there anyway. So it's like. You know, yeah. they all, all the Academy I, members are I worked there. I worked for THX for a little while. <laughs> oh, neat. I was, cu- I was uh, cutting trailers and sending them to uh, uh, theaters and stuff. That oh was fun. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> I love the way you could, when you're in San Francisco, you really can just use public transportation in a really enjoyable way. You really don't need a car. You, Unless, of course, you're going north of the city. But when you're in the, the Oakland and San Francisco. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. And besides, parking is too hard anyway. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love just jumping around on, on the, the transit in there. But we're, we're going off on a tangent. I know. So, so um, how, I was well, just going to ask. Address, this is where people live. I think this is a, there's a lot of emotion attached to this. There but was, I, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, there was just, I'm just responding to that uh, thing that I saw on Twitter of uh, Liam Neeson 
saying, "If you spoil Star Wars, I will fine you and I will kill you." Yeah. I think oh, that's yes. the little thing from Taken. Yeah, yeah. People feel very strongly about this. They're very, very upset at the possibility of something being spoiled. Now, Jeff what... is being crucified on his side over this. One guy wrote him this thing. It was like. I mean, I shouldn't because they hate me anyway. But if I if I go on and on, they're just going to be worse. But um, but you know, he's like, you know, because it's this is what you do, Jeff. You ruin things for people. You ruin people's lives with this. And then underneath it, one guy writes, "It's only a movie." Ruin people's <laughs> lives. But you know, I don't want to hear a spoiler you know, about. What I like to do is I feel that after a certain point, I th- I think roughly six months after release, and it's out on streaming, and it's been a- anybody can see it anywhere. And I, I just think it's okay to discuss plot lines at that point. I sure. think people no, are really – Star Wars is a special thing. Like, they've been marketing this thing for a year. And, you know, it's all of the people like me who didn't care about any Star Wars except the first two that came out who were really excited about seeing it. And I know I personally don't want to hear anything. And I'm not usually a spoiler whiner. Like, I don't care. But this what? movie, I don't want to hear – and I don't want to hear any fanboygasm – on Twitter. I don't want to hear one single person say it changed my life. I don't want to hear it. I just want to no. go see the movie myself, you know. You know, it was it was yeah. really funny when when The Phantom Menace came out and this is pre-Twitter and all of that. Um I I knew people who had avoided every possible bit of information, trailer, everything about the movie because their fanaticism was so intense. Uh, and we saw it at the Coronet in San Francisco, which is where the first Star Wars debuted. And I have never in my life ever had a theatrical experience like that. Mm. Ever. Wow. It was, don't I don't know. It was, it was like, a, like a festival or like a Burning Man or just, it was, <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. But it what about crazy. afterwards? The feeling of de- of deflation after I saw it in Westwood, the Phantom Menace, I mean, was considerable. And people were kind of going, eh, yes. so, the, you know. the, the anticipation for it uh, was so far, there was no way that the movie would even be able to match it, even right. if it was a great movie. It just ended up being a really terrible one. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so, awful. He, he, he'll, George Lucas, the casting of Jake Lloyd, that yeah. little kid. Yeah. God, that was awful. God, poor George Lucas. I mean, that's a really good, you know, Tarantino should take, should take heed of this because I know he never fails. His fans won't let him fail, but George Lucas, that's what happens when you depend too much on your own and you're given too much of a green light and you're, you're, you have to go into your head and your own imagination, one person's imagination. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we're great humans and everything, but I don't think any one person can keep drawing from that without needing even the Coen's worked with, you know, a Cormac McCarthy script, you know, sooner or later you have to branch out. Yeah. But James Cameron's the same way. He can be a great director. He's just a really shitty writer. A hundred percent right on the money there. Yeah. So I can also remember very, very clearly, very vividly that I went to see the empire strikes back at the, uh, Lowe's Astor Plaza in 1980, uh, midnight show, midnight show. And it was, um, Two days into it. I think it had opened, whenever it opened, it was open. On Friday, I was there Saturday, I think, mm. uh, with a girl I knew. And we uh, and we remember going home at 3.30 in the morning and being, wow, that was something. And what a mind-blowing. Nobody had told me. I had not heard about Darth Vader being the, the paternal father of Luke Skywalker. That was a huge thing for me. And I'll never forget that that impact. Thank goodness. But I'll tell you, within... Well, there, yeah, obviously it was just newspapers and chitter chat, but it got around within 
a couple of weeks. I mean, I never wrote about it, and I just figured, you know, stay away from that. That was too amazing. <laughs> oh, can you imagine if you had blown that spoiler on your side? <laughs> <laughs> that would God. be the best. They would have killed you. Your readers would have probably, somebody would have probably murdered you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, they would have, like, actually physically killed you. <laughs> yeah, they would have found me and beaten me up and baseball bats and all the rest of it. You know, I, you're reminding me, Jeff, though, of those days. Like, I remember when I was a kid, when I, we were, I was a big Star Wars and Jaws fan and all that, like, and, and me and my friends were such huge jj abrams doesn't know that girls liked star wars but they actually did and we did and they didn't delineate between girls and boys back then the way they do now they didn't start to make movies for a certain sex i mean they kind of did they but not quite the way that they do today where there really are just like girls and boys toys but you know in the mainstream film obviously film world but um but i remember loving movies so much that it was a huge commitment for me to, I had to see a movie on opening day, mm-hmm. had to see it on opening day. And like that carried me through to my early twenties. And, and I can't even remember the last time, maybe it's cause I'm in this business and I get to see movies early or whatever, but I never, I, I never have been able to really recapture that. I have to see a movie on opening day. And I don't know if young people today feel that way even maybe they do. Maybe like 40-year-old young boys do. <laughs> anyway, it's been pointed out that I'm not at all a problem as far as breaking spoilers after a film. Say, never have I done that. It's the, it's the geeks, though. The, 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 that, that sector of the blogging and, uh, and Twittering uh, you know, elite, if you will, they, they, they reveal this stuff very quickly. I mean, I, I, pr- I predict that it's whatever it is, whoever dies, whatever happens, it's going to be there within a matter of hours, if not minutes, after the first screening. Don't you think? I don't think so with this one. I don't. But I can see someone like Devin or I can see someone like Devin saying something. <laughs> no, really. That's like, you know, that's going to piss a lot of people off. Yeah. But I don't know if he'll give away a spoiler. He will oh, say happens. something. They start debating something. And someone says, that's not true because when this happens, whoop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Right, and, and it, it'll that, slip that, out. That's, that's happened even on this podcast. I've I've read some of the comments in in like the last last few few podcasts, and people get really upset. You know that you know we we or, or you guys have talked about you know movies that don't come out till Christmas. I know. And and they're like, but we have. How would you? Why would you even talk about that? Nobody's seen it. <laughs> Well, I've, I've been putting spo- uh, trying whatever. to put spoilers. I love your your spoiler thing. Jeff oh doesn't God. listen to the podcast, so he doesn't know what I do. Jeff is I put on this alarm. It goes wah wah wah. Spoiler <laughs> alert! I think it's amazing. I think it's the greatest thing ever. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> just because Jeff was getting such a hard time from his, they were just so mean know, and mad about it. They're, they're like, well, I'm never listening to this podcast again ever. I know. I read that. <laughs> that, that with the, it's very easy. And you were saying before that people have, who have not, who are not, never going to um, have access to certain films that are of a more um, smallish, indie-ish artistic bent are ever going to play theatrically in their neck of the woods. But um, you know, the the streaming options are 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 enhanced. There's a lot of day and dates. I just think more and more I, I, to be able to. To, to, to complain that you're being, um, you're having your, your nativist or, or, or your, you know, that feeling of wonder and, and excitement when you discover something. I, I think that really plot is probably the lowest yield of the, the cinematic experience. That the, the thing that really sticks to your ribs and makes you really love something is really not about just plot, is not, it's just the first uh, 
immersion. That's the first thing. But what makes it real and what makes it really stick and what makes you uh, value it is the, uh, is the textures and the undercurrents and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the discipline of it, the way it kind of resonates in ways that you don't expect. Those are the things that I think really matter to people. And you, I put you to sleep. You're no, dead. no, I, I agree with that. But it's like it's not really our call. If we're, if we're putting out a podcast for people to listen to, like we're not just sitting here jerking off, you know, like we're, we expect to have audiences listening to us. So, in you know, mm -hmm. it's an agreement and we're doing them. You know, it's 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 an agreement. They're saying I'm going to listen to this, and and that helps us because we want people to listen. We don't just want to speak to the wall yeah. and have nobody listen. So, you know, to to mind the spoilers is a fair trade off, I think, for that. I agree. I think you should respect it, but after a certain point is what I'm saying. Not immediately, not within a couple of weeks, but after six months. That's all I'm saying. It's out there. Oh uh, no, definitely. Then I, we're we're just talking about you know premieres and you know press screenings that happen a month before you know the public gets to see it i think that's all we're talking about right well i was beaten up just the other day uh dave uh for being intemperate in discussing a plot point in ex machina which uh, first broke last april and was on streaming dvd and blu-ray as of early or mid-july and here it is december and no that's ridiculous i'm sorry but if you haven't seen Ex Machina now, you have no excuse. It's on demand. It's easy to watch, you know? Yeah. Yes. That's all I'm saying. After a certain point, I don't think it's, uh, I think we, it's unreasonable to, to, to complain about I, I do, too. Hey, we, we interrupt this program to bring you news from the Toronto Film Critics Association Awards, who have just awarded Todd Hang's Best Director and Carol yep. for Best Picture. Yes, they did. And they went for Tom and Hardy for Best, best Actor. Again? Uh, what's the Best Picture? Carol. Carol. Carol, okay. And Todd Haynes for director. And that's a movie I wouldn't mind seeing spoil for Best Picture. I, I know it won't, but... Uh, oh, I know. I would love to see that. Me too. But Tom Hardy? What in the hell? That's Tom two Hardy. years in a row. <laughs> Is he from Canada or something? <laughs> I don't know. I just think they're masochists because he's kind of a douchebag and hates, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And he's so goddamn terrible in Legend. I don't know what is happening. <laughs> and they picked... Wait a minute. Um, can I, can I ask you, um, I, I believe what you're referring to is that you think that he's... Because he does create two separate characters in Reggie and Ronald Cray. Uh, one of them is fairly hard to understand. It really doesn't come together until you watch it with subtitles. Is that what you mean? You can't understand Ronnie, the, the, the gay one? I, I understood him fine. I just think that... With the three movies that he has this year and the four performances, he incorporates these accents that are so extreme and hammy while everybody else around him are basically intelligible and giving actual performances. I just think he is a giant ham. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm just not a, I'm not a fan. At all. I'm seeing a picture of one of those cartoon hams. <laughs> that's exactly what, yeah, with the bone in the middle. And the, oh, that's Can what I he ask what you uh, thought of his performance in The Revenant? I hated it. Oh. And I love the movie. I think the movie's brilliant, but I think he, is, he has moments, uh, like when he's talking to uh, Domino Gleason, that he has some good subtlety. But most of the time, I think he sounds horrible. I think my comment was that he sounds like, Tommy Lee Jones doing Kathy Bates' accent from uh, American Horror Story Freak Show. Wow. That's what he sounds like. And it's it's so hard to get past because 
everybody else kind of just feels a little more lived in and it's not a distraction. And his his accents are a really big distraction because they seem yeah. so much extra. Okay. There's such a weird current about The Revenant online now that I'm noticing, and I can't tell what it's about, but there's sort of this you know, it's pretentious meme going around. And I don't know who started it or where it is, but it just seems like I see it more and more with people making kind of snide comments, writing reviews, calling Leo's performance Oscar bait. Like that movie is so ambitious and, you know, I think just a great film and, and it really has a target on its back. I'm not really sure why. Um, I do think it's odd. To it's because of uh, it, uh, Inuritu's decision to uh, add the um, add a certain emotional dimension to it by ha giving Leo's character a backstory with a son who gets killed by Tom Hardy's. Thank, thank, oh God! Thank God he did. Just, uh, just did it again. No, no, uh, no. That's 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 a part of reviews. It's even a part of now the TV spots. Yeah. Uh, which I think is really smart. It's okay. it's really funny watching what is going on with 20th Century Fox right. because they have. They're, they're done with the Martian, clearly. Joy tanked, so there's nowhere to go with that. The Revenant is their number one now. But it's worth noting that The Revenant always was their number one, and they never gave The Martian a campaign. It did not True. get an Oscar campaign. So True. people have been True. saying that from the beginning. They never it's thought like it was going to have any traction. All they, they put all their chips behind either Joy or The Revenant, but it was mainly The Revenant was the one they were really worried about. I think when so. they openly uh, said that they intend to put uh, The Martian in the political musical uh, category for the Golden Globe. Yeah. Yep, because they, they didn't want it. This, I got this straight from an actual member. They did not want it to compete with The Revenant. Uh-huh. Period. Yeah. The end. Yeah, I, I, I got the same the same information, so yeah, it's... Yeah, it's but it's good. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that's happening because it's the best of the three movies that they have, uh, and I do think the TV spots are really killing it because they are focusing on the father son element, and that is going to be uh, an emotional draw that is outside of just the action element to try and, and go for a broader net of a demographic. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with Joy. Like, that movie, there's no noise. There's nothing to do with it. It's dead. <laughs> Even poor Jennifer? I thought she was really She good. is, for me, she's in number five now. I've taken Joy out of every single category for my predictions. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Jennifer Lawrence fans. I don't, uh, that can't be true. It just can't be true. It's, there's, there's too many other things that, are, that have jumped over it now. And I think, I think Lawrence is totally in danger. I do too, actually. I was thinking today, I was writing up a thing, and I was thinking, you know, the best actress race is really vulnerable for upset because do you know what they could do if they wanted? This is what I'm predicting sort of loosely. I haven't officially made it a prediction, but they could put Alicia Vikander in lead for Danish Girl and put her also in supporting for Ex Machina because she's the hottest thing and they love her. They're going on and on about her. I could see it happening, and they could bump Jennifer Lawrence in lead. I still think Rooney Mara is going to be put in supporting. It's I, it's it's interesting. I do I do have Mara in lead as like a an ampest decision to change that, but Weinstein but Vikander or Vikander has has really yeah uh, done extremely well. She's in popped the last and week. I was listening to an Academy member on Twitter talk about her and talk about how much a couple of them actually I've heard how much they have a crush on her and how they want to meet her. But she's gotten in for both movies uh, with a lot of different uh, critics yeah. groups and, and things. And she's, 
she's talented and she's insanely gorgeous and she's she's carnally appealing. Like she's, she's somebody Sasha, uh, alluding to Tom O'Neill's famous, uh, you know, having said, you know, there's a horn dog, older Academy male. Yes. You know, yes. when the hottie comes along, they want to vote for her. That's oh, right. That. And she's big right now. And she's also good. Like, that's so rare to have an actress rise to the top so fast like that. Who's she's like Jennifer Lawrence kind of was, you know, in the early days. But I think that that could bump, especially since Joy is not, there's no campaign really there's no as far as i can tell maybe they're ramping it up i don't know but i'm not hearing anything for joy anywhere so i think that there's a good chance that alicia vikander or charlotte rampling but i want it to be charlotte rampling yeah i i tried and, to ask this before maybe this is one of our down things but i was so taken about i was a little bit stalled in my uh, in my soul when she didn't uh, make the, the sad cut and my immediate Assessment is that she was regarded as a as a European woman who just kind of dabbles and doesn't really belong here. Isn't part of the community. Doesn't live here. Yeah, you know, doesn't really work the town and so on. She's that's no it. Helen Mirren, that's for sure. You got it, <laughs> and that's you're a hundred percent right. That that these these decisions were either about people who didn't get to see screeners, or they were about parties and and kind of backroom hosting things that that. Because there's no other way to explain it, and or the actors, the voting committee were just not as plugged in to. But I do think they were plugged in because I don't think if they weren't, they would have picked Beasts of No Nation. And I'm I'm gonna say that I think that movie's gonna get a Best Picture nomination because I think that the advocacy with all the celebrities, the fact that you need more number ones to get in, uh, number ones, but extras too. But but Beasts of No Nation, I think will will definitely get. It's extraordinary. And I think other people are going to recognize that, but we'll see. I'm I have it in now. I have it at number nine. Me too. Yeah. Um, because what it also does is avoid the the Oscar so white hashtag if if that happens. And straight out of Compton probably has a really good chance too. I'm not feeling that. I know that others are like Scott Feinberg has been pretty bullish on it, but I'm he not. He has, and I thought he was crazy, and he Me turned too. out to be right. I couldn't believe it. I oh, I I dragged him hard for that, but same now here, God, man. I'm feeling a little bit. Uh oh. <laughs> same here, and he must be feeling pretty good about that, as I have to be feeling pretty good about Beast of Donation. But I, sure. it was mitigated by the Martians shut out, so I think I'm sort of on an even. <laughs> pass fail there i don't really get i don't get the credit for beasts but i you know because of the martian but um but that's okay yeah, compton is a very efficiently made and engrossing i was with it all the way i never was bored but it's one of those movies that just tells a story in chapters this and then that happens and then this happens and that and it doesn't really do more than just tell a story which is fine but it's not it doesn't have that extra it's, it's just rousing and oh god there's an echo it's rousing and it's universal's movie and i don't know are you guys predicting steve jobs for um best picture or no no okay so i'm thinking no. universal has that they the academy is much more studio friendly than than a lot of these other groups are i don't know if that's how the best picture race is going to shake down but i do think it's weird i think room is in and Room yeah. and, and Spotlight are both outside studios, independent studios, and um, that's going to be unusual, but they're going to be going head-to-head -head with some big studio movies. The thing they like about Compton is that it made a lot of money, and it's it's a rousing film. It has a lot of support in the industry. A lot of old guys like it. 
So it has a good chance. It really does. That that actually is a is a something that, that I just thought of that I was going to ask you, Sasha, and that's about your new uh, best picture predictions that have Brooklyn at number twelve. Because yeah. you were pretty you were pretty high on it. I know. I'm really I'm really disappointed that I'm trying to be a little less annoying this year. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't, I don't, I have a most, I have probably a 90% male readership, right? Um, and I always sure. have from the beginning. And I sure. meet people who've known me since they were 15 and they've been following me since they were 15. So I, I can't know, right? Spend, Isn't that crazy? It is. And I can't spend all my time talking about women stuff because, yes, I do care about that. I've done it a lot, but, um, but that it really bores my readers, I'm sorry to say. So, I can't really talk about it all the time. I did last year. I do many years. and But I will say that I'm bummed out that we had coming into the race. Um, I was just asked to write an article for The Wrap about how we might have four best picture contenders that have women in the leads, maybe five if you can't. Jeez, that out. was like a conversation from like two months ago. It's not, it's not even that that way anymore. That's what I'm saying. So I wrote that thing and now it's, you know, I said, are you sure you want to pu- publish this? Because, you know, it's probably not going to even come close to that. We might get care yeah. of all those movies. It's probably only going to be Carol and Room that get in. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's, it's something, but I'm just, I was just curious that, I mean, it's, you know, it's Fox Searchlight's kind of main thing. But right now it seems like it's just Ronan that is the standout. It didn't get a Globe nomination. Um, It's just... It it didn't get a Globe nomination, which is really where it should have gotten one. And I think think what you're looking at is very specifically male tastes versus female tastes. And I think that um, when you see Straight Outta Compton, Beasts of No Nation, The Big Short, um, Spotlight... uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Trumbo. What do all those movies have in common? Well, they're all male casts. So it's the opposite of what I thought it would be. And I thought it would be Brooklyn. I thought it would be Room. I thought it would be those kind of movies. But you just never know who the 2,000 people that are selected. But I think that it it is an indication that, as usual, the race will lean more towards masculine-driven films. And I'm kind of on the fence about it sometimes because I think that a lot of times movies about women tend to be only about one thing. That's relationships, whereas movies with men about big ideas, you know, Wall Street and, um, you know, child soldiers or whatever. And then I think women, if they want to start, I think they should try to focus on those kind of things where women are are part of a bigger story. You know, not necessarily just about my relationship. Am I in love? Am I not in love? And I, I don't know about Brooklyn's fate. I can't say that it's out for sure. But from coming off the heels of the SAG and the Golden Globes, I felt like a couple of movies really gained in prominence, and that was Beasts of No Nation, Straight Outta Compton, and uh, obviously Spotlight goes right to the top. The Martian, mm-hmm. a little bit diminished. It can't win. It might still get in. It might. The Big Short made it in both the, big short's you know, the going. Globes and SAGs. Yes, The Big Short is now a major player, and it's going to start winning screenplay writing, screenplay and adapted it just it won Toronto's today. Yeah, so that's something to spotlight. Or uh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. From a pure antennae sensitivity point, I was feeling the room thing very strongly, just as it was starting to be screened here, and then when after it came out, and then it kind of gradually shifted into into um, uh, uh, why have I just blanked on her name? Um, the actor, Larson. Kid B. Larson, sorry, B. Larson. Uh, but the movie kind of started to gently recede a little bit, and but it was Larson, 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 but the movie, not as much. 
and now it's kind of seems to be almost in the in in the rear of the room somehow. You're telling me that it's, that there's a lot of feeling, a lot of passion, a lot of you know you got to see it. You know, Absolutely, a lot of talk. Yeah. Well, I think it won the first of all. It won the Toronto Audience Award. That's still big. I mean, you can't discount that. Um, and it beat Spotlight for that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. the thing about it is that when people like Mark Harris or whatever say that you can't go on momentum of an award, but what you you do go on is what a lot of people are agreeing on are the best of the year, mm -hmm. and that's how momentum is built. And so, uh, Room has that. It just does. Oh. You know, um, I don't know if it'll get in. I'm guessing that it will, but. Um, but it got mm -hmm. a Golden Globe nomination. It got two SAG nominations. Mm -hmm. um, Did you see um, Mark Harris's comment today, though, about Room's box office? Mm -mm. And then, you know, lots of, you know, subtweeting from that. <laughs> that really kind of became about that people don't want to see it because they think that it's too grim and dark. Oh. Because the premise is, and the first half is. But I think if A24 can recognize and maybe get some TV spots out and pivot a little bit that the second half, you know, is a whole different story and outside of the room mm -hmm. that, that they might be able to, to get the audience back in. Cause it's like at 4 million right now, it's kind of like stalled. Oh God. Yeah. Whereas you've got Brooklyn and spotlight that are in the top 10 and doing really, really well. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're a little more uplifting, obviously, but I think I think Room has a bit of an of a battle in the impression that people have of the movie. I, I watched it. I have it here, and um, I have to say that the second viewing, the the problems I had with the first viewing were still there with the second viewing, which is the shrieking, annoying, screaming kid really bothers me in the first half. But in the second half, he's so great. And I, you just, the thing about Room is that you really become invested in the characters. And so that when they get better, you're just, you know, it's so heartwarming. It's just so moving all the way through towards the second half, you know. But the first half is really, it's really hard to get through. Really, really hard to get through. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I just, I, I hope that they can look at it as a, as a you know a, a payoff type of, of thing for the for the, the movie. I it think word great. of mouth. The same thing what's, happened in. Go ahead, Jeff. Payoff? What's that? What is the payoff you are referring to in Room? The payoff is that it's not all grim and dark and sad and depressing, which it, is what it looks like it is. Yeah, it's all about you know um, being able to to uh, to kind of get better you know get better and become healthy and become you know, real, what, what, what am I looking for after a trauma, traumatic situation where you're, yeah, it's, it's, it's recovering from recovering. The, thank yeah. you. Oh, it's traumatic. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You have to be able to say no matter what horrors have befallen you. Well, that happens and I'm here. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> and that's what the kid is saying at the very end. That's why the ending really works. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. He's saying goodbye to all these things, but he's saying, okay, I'm moving on now, but goodbye, you know, bed, Let's goodbye, see. closet, you know, all these yeah. things. Let's be careful not to get in too much into spoiler territory. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? That movie just gets you right in the heart. It really it does. does. You have to admit. And I thought that the best part of it when I was watching it the second time was the was the escape. It was, to me, the best, cinematically, the best part of the movie. And um, Oh, it's not even close. It's, yeah. Right? It's just yeah. like you're, you're, you can't breathe during that part. You just yeah, can't we, breathe. Yeah, we talked about that on a... On a 
a previous one before, and there's yeah, there is no again, sequence it, that's more it makes like no sense for him to leave that kid, even though he gets angry, even though the guy says, "I've got your license plate, pal." When that kid gets out and he can talk, that guy is dead. He knows that and he lets him go anyway. He and, knows it, but but it's a smart actually to let him go. What's he going to do? Keep the kid, and the cops are going to chase his car and come to his house. And his best shot is to leave the kid and hope that the kid doesn't say anything or know anything. He cares about the girl as his captive. He doesn't, the kid is expendable. Yeah, and he knows that the kid's never been outside of the room, so it's not like he can identify anything. Yeah, but that oh, whole sequence, oh. Just as a side story, I was walking through the neighborhood this morning at about 5.45, 6 a.m., and we saw a family of coyotes, a mother mm. with three pups, and they were patrolling the neighborhood as they do. I've seen them there before, and some stupid fucking asshole in his SUV was trying to run them out. And I, I just said to him, you know, just leave them alone, you know, leave the coyotes alone. They're going to be back here. You know, you can't police them every morning. And he's like, well, the dog's been barking for 30 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, well, so what? You know, just leave dogs them are stupid. <laughs> so he didn't he didn't um, he, he didn't do what I told. He still kept patrolling. But I was watching the puppies around the neighborhood trying to find their mom and the mom trying to find her puppies. And finally, by the end, they were reunited and they ran back into the hills. I was just like, oh, my God, thank God. Look, you've got a short film right there. I know. But I'm just saying that it's biological with mothers. It is. And it's not even doesn't even have to be your own child. It's just a biological reaction to things that you feel maternal towards, maternal protection. It's there. It's biological. You know, I I see a a real strong maternal current in this film that it's about uh, a mom and her son. And that's what the source of the emotionality in this film is. It's very well, very fully realized. Yeah, we're all saying that. Absolutely. But it's, it's more than that. I mean, it is, it is that, yes, it's very maternal. But it's also, you know, um, from a parenting perspective, like the mother and the daughter are, you know, she's, the daughter's saying, you know, if, if you didn't make me be so nice all the time, maybe I wouldn't have gotten in the car with him, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and there is the idea of... of predators sexual predators and there's the idea of sons loving their mothers and wanting to protect their mothers and not being able to Mm. um there's growing up there's father figures there's you know there's a lot going on that's not just for women i don't think it's um i think it's more universal than that yeah and i i do love and i i I almost kind of keep saying that that i think that room and the revenant are two sides of the same coin Mm. and it would be kind of neat if both of them won for their you know intense you know, affection and, and protection of their sons. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Obviously, mm-hmm. in very different ways with different results, but it's it's interesting. So what do we think about The Revenant in terms of the Oscars? Like, what where do we think that's going to land? I think it's probably going to get, you know... Uh, Leo and cinematographer. No way. Picture and director, too. Oh, you mean for winning. Well, you You're know, talking about winning. Certainly nomination, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. The win. Right, right, right. Leo's winning for sure. He doesn't have any competitors except Brian Cranston. <laughs> yeah, but that's not even a real competitor. Maybe with SAG, but not really. Come on, he's the only one who could take Leo. He's there the has never, one. ever, ever, ever been a better time for DiCaprio to win. Everything has like fallen into place. Except Brian Cranston. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's kind of like trying to come in to spoil, but I, I don't think so. They like him. You know? I don't think so. I'm worried about this whole Oscar bait meme that's going around on Leo. Yeah, but that's a, that's been the case for a really long time, and it happens to DiCaprio almost every time he's nominated. There are just dozens of hilarious uh, memes on the internet about how many times he's lost, and uh, it's 
it's it's going to get to end finally this time. I think so too. I don't think there's it's even close. I no, it is not close at all. He has no competitor at this point. No, but it's the movie should do extremely well. It it'll be really interesting to see how much uh, the Revenant and Mad Max go toe to toe in a lot of these tech mm. nominations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Chris Tapley thinks we can move on to Mad Max. Chris Tapley thinks that Mad Max isn't going to be an Academy friendly film. Um, I, I, mm. I, I thought I was thinking about like what, what would an Ann Miller type think of? Were we talking about this, Eric? We did. We talked about that before. Um, I yeah. Th- I think that you know, but but there are all those old lady warriors, you know, and so I think that there's that, you know, how many other people except George Miller would put you know sixty, seventy year old women on motorcycles? <laughs> I know. It's, well, and, and the, yeah, uh, this it's, there's that's, the impossibly sophisticated uh, aspect of how well it's shot and how the center of the frame is always exactly where your eyes should be trained and how yeah. it makes it easy to absorb action. It's a very extremely sophisticated approach to shooting action, and it comes from an old hand who really knows what he's doing. Yeah, and yeah. a magnificent cinematographer. That should be some kind of fact. Does it have to be always boiled down to the emotional and to the identification? I don't know how it's going to go with Mad Max and them. I don't. I mean, I have to admit, I didn't think at the very start of the race that it, that they, that it would turn out to be such a strong. But I think you could be seeing a win for George Miller, and I think you could be seeing a cinematography win for Mad Max. It's going to win editing. It's probably going to win sound. It's probably going to win visual effects, unless Star Wars unseats it. There. I'm. I'm with you. I think that this the idea that Emmanuel Lebesky is going to go three for three, is absolutely could potentially be undone by John Seal. Totally agree with that. In fact, I, mean, it, I will predict he that. He got brought out of a semi-retirement to do this and ended up with one of the best-looking movies of his entire career. It's insanely beautiful, and it will win cinematography. I, it's, it's the yeah, everything from the saturation of oranges and reds to the blues at night. Oh. You, I had the movie on and was just pausing it like every 30 minutes, and every pause had simply just like a, a stunning shot it didn't even matter where you were in the movie yeah, yeah. and the, so the four top cinematography of the year i'm gonna say are uh the revenant and mad max and carol which is insane I, and um sicario you know gotta yeah. hand it to deacons that is a beautifully shot movie I'm really excited at the idea. Yeah, I have Revenant, Sicario, Hateful Eight, Carol, Mad Max. And, ha- and uh, Hateful Eight, yes. Is that we've got such a fantastically wide range of styles. There's 16 millimeter, there's 35 millimeter, there's 70 millimeter, there's digital. Hmm. It's, that's, that's how a category like this gets made up. Interesting. You know, by, by people that are really passionate about it, that are voting in that cinematography group. And... It's we're gonna get a really wonderful broad spectrum. Absolutely, and this is one thing that Spotlight has that's a weakness is that it because he tr- decided to make things very neutral. There is nothing. That, I was watching it last night, and there is one shot that is incredible that I need a screen grab of, which is life before the internet really changed storytelling and news reporting, which is the theme of the movie, uh, one of the themes. There's a shot of the Boston Globe. And an AOL billboard together in the same shot. AOL everywhere and the Boston mm-hmm. Globe. And he holds the camera on that shot mm-hmm. for like a couple of minutes. And you're just, I'm just looking at it going, wow, that is, and I didn't notice it the first few What's times that? I'd seen the movie. I didn't notice that shot. And then this last time I thought, wow, now that, 
And, you know, everything in Spotlight is subtle. It's subtle. But but that's one thing it's going to have. Maybe, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, it's going up against these incredibly cinematic films. And the Academy, you know, they like cinematic. And um, so. so I, we, did a, we did a podcast yesterday, and we talked about this very same thing. And I, I was kind of making a case or a comparison, I guess, with, with Boyhood last year right where you had a movie that you know was very you know screenwriter and and actor heavy going up against something like Birdman which has you know all of the technical elements and when you've got an entire group that's made up of you know not just actors but also you know production designers cinematographers costume designers makeup all of that mm-hmm. and and what they're looking at, at for a best picture they're looking at, at Boyhood, yes, as a great film, but there's no opportunity for them to work on a film like that. Right. Because it's not the kind of movies that, that they would get a job for. And it's not even a big studio movie, so on that it wouldn't work e- either. E- even, even without that, that factor. And something right. like Birdman is, you know, ev- you know, everything, you know, crazy cinematography and sets right. and editing or lack of editing. Um, so it has, movies like that have just a, a greater potential for... Uh, for more kinds of technical people. Yeah. Which, and which is the thing that puts, for me, even though I do think Spotlight is, is now, and I'm late in the game, the front runner, it puts it at a disadvantage. I agree with you. I think that the, it, it is a such a subtle movie. Subtle, I mean, I know people are going to think I'm crazy, and I could be totally wrong, but they don't win Best Picture. They just don't. And that's because, partly because of what you're saying, but also that... People go, yeah, that's a good movie, but I really, Spotlight's probably going to win, but I really loved Mad Max or something like that. You know, listen for that. If you hear people talking like that, or if you just hear them all saying, I loved Spotlight, I love, it has to be, if for a subtle movie like that to beat all these other really cinematic films, it's going to have to have a personal resonance with them, Mm -hmm. personal resonance. And so it has to be something so important that it overrides everything else. Yes. And that's going to be tough. But it's it going is. to win screenplay for sure. No question. Yeah, that seems pretty easy. Yeah, screenplay. There's there's no real competition, I don't think. And the other tiny problem it has, and I'll, I don't know if you guys can sh- sh- shoot me down for this, but I was noticing last night because my friend Michael came over and we were watching and he was saying, you know, this is a lot like All the President's Men. And I know, of <laughs> course, it's like an obvious thing to say and everything, but, but it's more than just an homage to all the president's men because, you know, Ben, Ben Bradley Jr.'s in it and um, Ben Bradley is played in the uh, all the president's men, of course, by, by um, Jason Robards, who, who won the Oscar. But it's, but there are line references. There are, and I don't know if the Academy is going to look at that and go, yeah, you know, it's good, but it's like all the president's men and that if that will hurt it or not, you know, I don't think so. I, yeah. I, I don't think that'll really hurt it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of getting over the, this type of movie hasn't won before, so it can't because that's changing every year. It changed last year, that's for sure. Yeah, so I'm not really, I'm not terribly, uh, but that, I'm not going to hold on to that too heavily like I used to. I Same here, but and I'm going to keep my mind open, obviously, for that. But I do think that it's important to remember that there is one thing that's true about all Best Picture winners. And that they're, they're not subtle. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe The Last Emperor was... 
That's as far back as I can go to find one. But it's that... but it's still a massive, giant, grand epic. Right, and and um, the artist isn't subtle. It's it's like funny musical. It's pretty, you know. No, I mean I think the 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 closest I can think of would be maybe like back to ordinary people because it's a yes fam family drama. And ordinary people had all those really incredible, heavy, heavy emotional scenes. Yeah. So you know they had the that incredible Timothy Hutton scene with the therapist where he's sobbing hysterically and, you know, spotlight has some of those with the victims, but it never catches in your throat. You know, you never get that thing that room does, which is, you know, but at the same time, I don't know about that SAG stat. So I got to hold on to that as my reason for, for <laughs> know, spotlight winning. I, I can't people, let go they, of the SAG stat. Had a What's great, that, Jeff? Ordinary people had a great villain. In Mary Tyler Moore, right, yeah, and it had uh, an interesting turn in that it had a kind of a somewhat removed, somewhat bland, a little on the vacant side father, who gradually comes to some awareness about himself and about what's really going on. And by the end of the film, he has uh, really uh, strengthened himself. He has become uh, a much more uh, self-aware and, and and stronger character emotionally and he stands up to the wicked witch and uh, she leaves and it's kind of an unexpected turn so it's yeah. it's something you don't see coming right right from the get-go oh no it's a great movie i mean in retrospect it's a it's a great movie that um put it this way eric i won't be surprised if spotlight does not win best picture put it that way i, I won't be either i won't be either but it does have <clears throat> it does have a lot going for it right yeah, now. Yeah, you can't really logically predict anything else at I thought the moment. the best picture uh, winners are the ones that people have the least against and are more or less for. They don't have to be great films or the ones that are, people feel are really the greatest in terms of an emotional impact. Well, that's there are a lot of movies this year, and Spotlight, when it gets to the best picture race, will have something against it, and that's that the critics awarded it. It depends on how many more awards it wins, but mm -hmm. if it wins all those awards, that's enough for them to have something against it. They don't like movies that the artist was the last movie that that won. Except all that it has them. That's been one of the great things about this season so far is that we've had such we've had a lot of diversity in the winners with yeah. the top critics. Is that so? Nobody's been like nobody's can, can be pegged as or dinged as a, as the critics front runner because it, Mad Max right. is one, Spotlight's one, Carol is one. So it's it split it, up, but it does have that pressure of being the front runner. It does have it. So, you know, it does. It does. That was that was put on it at, at like right at out of Telluride. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Telluride. Yes. Telluride. It came right out of Telluride as the front runner. And, and um, so I, I don't know. We'll see it, it, it. The best thing that could have happened to it was that it didn't win a lot of critics awards. And you're right. It didn't. But we'll have to see where it goes from here. Um, you know, we're, we're really building up to something pretty momentous. You guys haven't maybe taken notice. I just happen to notice that we're at 94 minutes as we speak, one hour and 34 minutes. If oh, we God. keep going, we could maybe make this the Lawrence of Arabia podcast. <laughs> well, it depends if you want me to keep in the fighting at the beginning or not. I don't know. I, I, I can't actually go that long today. I have to head down to San Francisco. Uh, are you going to go see a movie? No, we have uh, friends from <laughs> Australia who are uh, going to be leaving on a boat to circumnavigate the world. Oh, my God. I know. So this will be our last chance to see them before we go and find them somewhere. That's nice. You know, in the world. Yeah, they're, it's it's really great. It's their boat's Where's wonderful. the big harbor for boats leaving? Is it Oakland more than – it's Oakland. Well, 
they're actually in Point Richmond, which is where uh, we used to live, and it's it's a very, very, very tiny coastal town uh, just north. Uh, it's right at the the bridge where you can cross over to go into Marin County. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. Is that yeah. where you were sailing in the pictures that you took? Or you were yes. Just... Oh, yeah. Okay. Was it with those friends, or do you guys sail on your own? We uh, both on our own and with with them uh, and and with other people. Mm. Not as much now because we're up here, so it's been we've had a, a quite a lack of of sailing time. <laughs> All right, I will talk to y'all later. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. It was great. Thank you. We'll talk to All you right. later. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to episode one hundred and eighteen of Oscar Poker. With Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com, and Eric Anderson from AwardsWatch.com. We will be back next week with another episode. Um, We might come back a little earlier for a special Star Wars edition. Um, The bumper music was Pride by American Authors and Good Times, Bad Times by the Rolling Stones. Thanks for listening. Someone